0: So this would be number thirteen. Thirteen does thirteen have any significance in the world? None. Like it, it's, no, it's it's like thir- the the only number.
1: And it, it, have you ever, th- Eric? Have you ever thought of how many numbers there are? <laughs> like it, seriously, it doesn't stop. Thirteen is the only one that has no significance oh, at all. Man, well, we got to do something about that. Let's- we'll try to
0: like up our game a bit. So I was at um, my alma mater today at University of Vermont, and my son, Julian, and I were walking around, and we were standing at this, one of the buildings, one of the wonderful redstone buildings at the University of Vermont, and I stood outside, and I had this thought Mm. that this building we're standing at is sort of a temple to thought you know you're sort of thinking in terms of like a temple like a religious temple a church whatever in this like a university's and a building like that is kind of a temple is it is a, is it is to to the brain right to, to the use use of to the use of the brain you know yeah. to and to thinking and and um I just thought that was kind of, I don't know, that kind of struck me that that's really what a university at its core, at its best is. And as I was remembering, I was recalling to, I was like, oh, I had a professor there, a Quixote professor, it was an incredible guy. Got me so excited about literature. Wow. Yeah. You know, I thought, incredible. and I guess, you know, t- thinking of taking me for a ride, you know, how we've, we decided from the beginning we wanted to talk about books, you know, and mm-hmm. because books are such a, a temple, I guess, in our life, in both our lives, you know, and, and, Anyways, just thinking about that, that, I just had a great appreciation for for my university and for for those those professors I remember who were like this other one who was like you know really got me excited about traveling to Spain and I came back from Spain I was like oh my gosh it was so incredible and she was she was saying wow wonderful you know fanning that flame and how great you know I don't know I'm, I'm glad to to be in that temple as much as it's and and you know the, the, i think we're we're in an age when that worshiping in that temple has been somewhat um i don't know put on notice i think there's been some kind of belittling of 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 using logic and thinking in some ways that that uh, oh it's like a power struggle Right. I guess that's always existed. It's it's been there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I thought we'd sort of gotten the upper hand, (laughs) but I don't think that's the case. Maybe it's just an eternal struggle. I mean, you know.
1: Between, in a sense, between what is and what humans can imagine. (laughs) Because we can imagine quite a bit. And if you say that which you're imagining is real then you know it's kind of hard to argue with someone like that on the other hand someone like that i wouldn't want them building my airplanes correct because it would crash (laughs) it would never take off (laughs) so the reality people win on some level but the fantasy people can sure they've got a good narrative they can sure sucker you in
0: Right, and, and I want temples. I mean, I was pointing out when we were going around Burlington, I was like, oh, there's the Flynn Theater, which is a temple to something else, to the imagination, to, you know, and we want the, you know, there's, I guess there's a lot of temples, on huh? There's a temple to the arts, there's a temple to learning, and there's a temple to religious thought, which I'm all for, too, depending. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Um, I, th- I think the two can coexist. Exactly. So yeah. I, I'm all
1: for temples of religion, But I'm somebody who believes strongly in the separation of church and state, and I believe that the teachings of belief should is fine for the interplay, but it shouldn't have to um, control uh, the 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 methods of scientific inquiry. Because what happens is then you enter a dark age, and very quickly the religions just become hierarchical structure of
0: power. And you can argue that... Because people are greedy. Yes. You can argue that the religion of science also sometimes gets greedy, too, and believes that it it has all the answers.
1: I believe in systems... Cathedrals, or back to one of the schools I went to, uh, University of Pittsburgh, which has a big tower that's called the Cathedral of Learning, as I recall. And those systems that have inherent in them the best systems of checks and balances are the ones I will sign up for.
0: Uh huh. You know, um, I, I I think you can argue. I, I don't. I recall where I where I heard this but it regardless I think you can argue that no you can not <laughs> that one reason science has gained such an upper hand in the world is because all all of the temples that came, the the temples of of thought that came before said this is the answer and then the next one said oh well we have, no this is the answer and then they battled it out and t- science showed up and said we could be wrong but but there that thought that we could be wrong but here's some ideas but we could be wrong and then they you know science went on to kind of conquer the world for better and for worse but you know i, I this is arguable but that's kind of the scientific some, method right. admits
1: to not knowing right. at times and right. keeps refining keeps refining it's a very powerful method that's powerful yeah it's it's fascinating and it's very interesting that you've uh, you're not from Vermont and yet you went to college up here and yet Vermont's where I ended up uh, and I, I'm not not—I'm from New York City so it's an interesting confluence of Vermont stuff and it's very interesting that you got to have these memories earlier today walking around your alma mater did you see Bernie?
0: no
1: who's the guy with the mittens? <laughs>
0: I think it's really interesting that we've had all these talks about books and stories, mm. right? What a, what, a, what a wonderful thing. And, you know, it's I just—I think we were both—you were saying, what if we talked about, you know, books in our lives? This is a little bit of a different direction to go with the books because I have so many fond memories of books in my life, as I know you do. Is there any books that you can recall that early on really influenced you well, in terms it, of who you are today? We're, we're actually as we've been driving through Vermont, we've been listening to Stephen King's It. And uh, so many books, boy. But listening to It is is uh, I mean, I learned early on when I I was I was hardcore into Stephen King in high school, and he definitely taught me the value of telling stories and um you know, I'm listening to it now, and it's like, whoa! That's, I mean, because uh, I'm, I haven't listened. I've, I read it, you know, back in it was high school. Listening to it now, and like, wow, that made a huge impression on me. All those stories. I read all the big Stephen King books, Stand, uh, The Stand. I read the, the Stand by Me, which I was telling you about. The Body, his short stories. I read the Tommyknockers, and uh, that stuff made a huge impression on me. Mm. Mm. Huge. Um, I think it. The, reading those big Stephen King books um, opened my mind a lot to literature, and I think it took me later on into reading. It took me a long time in life to get to these, but to read War and Peace, to read Moby Dick, Moby Dick, which probably is the, that it was, was a, by Stephen King, wasn't
1: it? <laughs> Stephen H- Herman <laughs> Stephen King. Melville.
0: Um,
1: it's fascinating how Stephen King led you to what some would refer to as more classic
0: right. literature. I think I didn't feel able to read those when I was in high school. Or even post-college, I couldn't read okay. War and Peace. Was it intimidating? Yeah. Okay. I'm not allowed to read that book. It's not right. at my... I'm, to, the, I'm not smart enough. Exactly. Yeah. I always, I've talked about this earlier on the podcast. I never didn't feel... Able to or smart enough. And I think it was around, uh, you know, in the last 10 years that I was like, I want to read that book. And then I. And I found a way, which I've, I talked about earlier on another episode, of, like, you know, use the Cliff Notes or the Spark Notes. You read, the, Use them for their real purpose rather than how I might have used them in high school. Cred, <laughs> which is to get through like, the exam. Right, right. right. Read the book, and it, with each chapter, use the, 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 the guide to, like, make sure you understood and then keep going. Yeah. And that's how I, you know, got through those books. And those were epic, epic. So I have another book in mind, but I'll talk about it after you. So what about yeah, you? so I'm thinking... Some of the earliest
1: books that influenced me were, well, on my bookshelf when I was really young, there was this book called Tinkerbell, and it was about a man who sailed across the Atlantic, in nonfiction, sailed across the Atlantic Ocean in a 13 and a half foot boat that he called Tinkerbell.
0: Wow, I've never heard of that book.
1: Wow. He did it, of course, 13 and a half feet is not very big. Thirteen. Thirteen and a half foot. Yes, 13 and a half. Yes. Um, I, as I said, that number has no meaning <laughs> whatsoever unless you happen to be sailing across the Atlantic Ocean in a bathtub. And he went from Falmouth, Massachusetts to Falmouth, England. No. And when he did this, He was like some guy from Ohio, like a newspaper man. And he learned to sail in the Great Lakes, I guess. And um, he missed his wife and he missed his family and he was all alone out there and the psychology played upon him out with his big waves. And he started to envision that these pirates had kidnapped his wife. So he'd like... Go off course for days on end, chasing them to rescue his wife, and then he'd snap out of it. It's like a like a a type of psychosis where you're just not connected because the things in your normal world aren't there because you just have a lot of ocean. Wow. And but he was like a sane guy. He wasn't an edgy, well, maybe a little edgy guy. But this book really sparked my imagination of what is possible because I was this. Little Jewish kid in Long Island, you know, on the shore. And here's this guy going off into the great waters. And I'm like, wow, those waters are enticing. And then other books, I was really attracted to the, to the sea. I read another book when I was a little bit older that totally changed me. And it's by Rudyard Kipling. It's called Captains Courageous. I think it may be someone made a movie out of it, which I'd never seen. And it's about this young, super, super spoiled kid, whose parents are insanely rich, and they're like, "Mr. Shane," and he built the railroads all across, you know, that went out west, and he was like, gazillion dollars, and this kid was spoiled silly, and had, you know, very little value of life because he had everything and he never had to work a day in his life mm. and he he's just really super duper arrogant and and uh, nobody really spent time with him and taught him values and so his mother, the book starts off his mom is taking him shopping in Europe on this big ocean liner and he's like, couldn't care less he's really disconnected Wow, and it's the very beginning of the boat, the book, and he's like really arrogant, like showing everybody how cool he is, and and the and the big storm comes up at sea in the in the Great Atlantic, and the boat is tossing and turning, and there's just sailors out there, and and one sailor's up there on the deck, and he's up on deck and uh, trying to act like a big guy. And he says to one sailor... This German sailor is like... Oh yeah, you're smoking a cigar. Well, I could smoke that. And the Germans are like... What? Well, you know, you shouldn't be up here. Whatever. And anyway... he, The kid takes a cigar... And he smokes it. And he gets really dizzy in his head. And he falls overboard... Into the Atlantic Ocean. And then he gets... Picked up, rescued by someone who's fishing from Gloucester, this um, from this boat called the We're Here, and he's sort of like pretty much unconscious at this point. Is like he comes to, he says, "I'm Harvey Shane, and my dad runs the railroads, and I, where's my pocket change?" And oh, you know, and they're like, "Look, kid, you probably hit your head." and even if you know he's saying take me back to shore you have no idea my dad's worth 200 million dollars something like that and they said look even if you are Harvey Shane and we don't think you are we have families we're poor people we have to work for a living and so get to work and there's my son the captain said there's my son Dan you go work with Dan and we'll be here all summer and that's all I'll say mm. It's just it, it, the, he changed, I changed by reading it, and it's about working and valuing yourself
0: and valuing work. It's funny you talking about that made me think of a you know another a formative book. I think you might have read these as well as the the tripod series. Oh heck yeah! Right, the White Mountains. It totally right. So as a kid, science I read fiction. that. Oh my oh god! Oh my gosh! My brother had it because he was Is that in dystopian total. Total, I right? Love they those. cap people. Yes. They put They put the caps on them to yes. control their thinking. Wait, wait, wait. Is that true? <laughs> I just realized because we just went through four years of. Oh, never mind. Never mind.
1: Wait, that thought. Wait, sorry. Go on. No, don't go on. Yes.
0: But you know, beep, my brother beep, had those. Beep. I think he, they read those in school. What a great book to give I kids in school. And so, but I just got it kind of secondhand. I picked it up, and I'm reading these. With no one to like guide me with these or anything, I'm just sure reading yeah. these, and that was some formative stuff to just like, oh, that that's something that can happen where people try to control what you think. I mean, I was in i don't know fifth grade maybe reading those, and the adventure of them and the like the battle to like be, defeat the tripods and then I've read those with both my sons, you know, when they were younger. I thought those were really, those were formative books, but... uh, It's
1: funny, I haven't thought of those in so long. Right?
0: Those were epic, epic. When I was in
1: seventh grade, I tried to write a dystopian story. And I remember my teacher, Mrs. Jakes, really, really encouraged me. And I was like making a planet and the people on it and all this conflict and stuff like that and just that interaction realizing that I could I mean it wasn't very good didn't really go anywhere but that was a really big step for me it's amazing what other books when you, you know read? I
0: was just thinking well uh, uh, there's a I, it's when I think back I'm like oh of of in say in my more adult life a, a books that I think about or talk about or tell people about, because I love talking with people about books. I say, oh, I read this. And keeping track of the books, I think that's a a good habit, you know, like I've done it only recently. It's like keep a Google doc of the books I'm reading and keep track of all the books you're reading. And it's a great, nice exercise. And I put it up on the fridge, I put a list of like okay, these books and like anyone in the family wants to write the books they've been reading and Ju- Julian totally into that like and he runs his books go off the page, and there's pride in that, you know, I oh, think yeah. that's wonderful, you know and and uh um you know, I know your kids are major readers, and uh, Julian, it's just like joyous um of of recent you know I'd say in the past um uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years, uh, a fine balance, which we've talked about, you know, we talked about that, yeah. that, 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 that uh, the music of that one, uh, that I wrote, but a fine balance by Rohinton mystery, definitely one of the best books I've ever read. And then I would have to say, of uh, the, the, a book that I never forgot was this book called, I think it's called, Oh, it's a history of the world in six glasses. And that's one of those books. Cause I love reading history. And this guy wrote this book. I, I'm sorry, I don't know his name right now, but "A History of the World in Six Glasses," where he talked, he looked at history through the lens of the six great human drinks, which are orange juice. <laughs> Perfect guess. Six great human drinks created by humans are. Go ahead, try.
1: You're taking orange juice off the table. I'm,
0: well, oh, orange juice is a great drink, but oh,
1: oh created by humans. Yes. The great,
0: a great drink, you know, like epic drinks that that so not, not anyone, water. Uh, uh, I mean, water is right, okay. So, nature. anyone, go ahead, pause the podcast, try to think of the what are those six great drinks. Uh, so beer, well, I'll start with coffee and tea, those are two beer, wine, and more beer. <laughs> Spirits, meaning like you know rum and whiskey, okay, right, and then the last one is Coca-Cola, which was you know made in the 1800s and which had a massive. So these are drinks that have massive impact on human development ah. or human okay. interaction, right? And that's one of those books that I always I've thought about. I think about all the time. Interesting, right? Wow. Think about coffee and its place at the Age of Enlightenment when you know, the Middle Ages and disease and mead and people are uh, throwing trash out the window and And stuff. And that's on a good day. (laughs) And then coffee shows up. And you know, in the in the cafes in France, and people are drinking coffee now, and you know, exchanging ideas. And uh, oh my gosh, how about this? Let's go out and build that building. You, you write this story, and I'll do this, build this bridge, and you're whatever. They're all hyped, on right? The right? Cafe. They're all hyped on coffee and tea, and that you know, for better or for worse. But you know that right. that have those things influenced human development. I think I find it fascinating, right? Uh, These
1: books introduce these new paradigms
0: that we can apply.
1: And then we have paradigms on paradigms and just keep growing. I remember when I was 14 years old or so, I came upon some books about mysticism by Carlos Castaneda. Mm -hmm. Totally changed my life. That took you for a ride, didn't it? Talking (laughs) about taking for a ride. And I just so much want, it so resonated with me. I so much wanted to find a mystical teacher in the desert who spoke in r- riddles and could do magical stuff and had a lot of down to earth wisdom. Um, so it's kind of like a, uh, I don't know, Hispanic Obi Wan Kenobi. And what could be better than that?
0: And that's what these books were about. Okay. I read one of those, I think. I loved it. I think I read only one, though. Yeah. So those books totally
1: changed my life and got me on a certain direction that I'm just now recovering from.
0: (laughs) But boy, did I get a lot of stories out of that. Do you ever read Tom Robbins? Yes. Yeah. That Still that life made me with think. Woodpecker. Correct. Yeah, and even cowgirls get the blues. Maybe his best one uh, being "Skinny Legs and All" for me. Uh, yeah, That's Tom good, Robbins good definitely stuff. formative yeah. thinking stuff. Yeah. When I was traveling after college. Sure.
1: Sure. How about um, the the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide
0: to the Galaxy? I never read those. Douglas Adams. Never read that. Brilliant. Brilliant. I, I bet I never. Very, read My brother, funny. I think, read those. I never yeah yeah I never read I'm sad to say uh uh the uh Lord of the Rings. Oh. I know I read The Hobbit, but I've never read the Lord of the Rings. I know that somebody
1: kinda... told me that that's fiction.
0: <laughs> I was always an impression
1: that know yeah, this is out there, and I've been waiting for the
0: the wizard you know what's funny is having this conversation. there are so many books that I would love to say, oh my gosh, in this one and this one, you know. Yeah. And, and, and how many authors I wish I could name all the authors but you know it's Watership Down Watership Down the story of the, a woman who wrote a story of her her experience in the cultural revolution in China you know these books that like I just never uh, and there was one uh, that was not Wild Swans it was uh, anyways like I am. it's this just spurring on all the eyes uh, these, these thoughts on books that just like really wowed me I know we both read The uh, Rise and Fall of the Third Reich and you know that yeah, yeah. that epic talk about epic you know book it, you know it's historically, John Steinbeck I don't know what I read by John Steinbeck actually oh, Travels with Charlie mm. and uh, Grapes of Wrath ooh
1: and oh my gosh so many um ways to uh, Mark Twain and uh To Kill a Mockingbird. We were just talking about Mm. that. Mm. So many ways to learn about history and culture by, you know, I mean, you could travel to some of these places, but you're not going to see all the different perspectives that these writers are offering.
0: And how epic that all of these writers have read so many other authors and have inspired other authors and have distilled ideas from other authors they've read and um, Razor's Edge by Somerset Maugham. Wow. Never, I never read that. Oh my god. <laughs> Amazing, huh? You, you. The Tempest
1: we... by William Shakespeare. Mm. Oh, my favorite play. Mm. Oh my gosh. Um. Oh, into. Th- so my dad was reading this book by John Krakauer many years back, and he said, yeah, hey, Dad, what are you reading there?" And he said, "It's called th- Into Thin Air." And, he, and I said, could I check it out? He said, no, because if I lend this to you, you won't sleep tonight. Mm. Said, Come on, Dad, just lend it to me. So I couldn't sleep that night. I just had to keep reading it. It's, it was that good. Krakauer is a great writer. Krakauer is amazing. Yeah, really good. A great storyteller. Um, framed brilliantly. Hmm. Um, Gosh. So many, so many influences. Um, you know, I'd like to read Dr. Seuss again, but I guess they are all been banned. <laughs> right? Because they have chickens in them. So they had to, the chicken lobby. I don't know if you have chickens in the lobby of your building, but we have a chicken lobby here. Yes. And uh, apparently they didn't want people um, of different feathers to... Um, they, I guess, they got some egg on their face. <laughs> um, you ever read a book, dude, called "Be Here Now"?
0: Um, no, I have not. I know I saw a documentary about the guy that made that. Uh, what's his He's name? Like Ramdas, right? Baba Ramdas. He right. was
1: another, He was like Tim Leary, another Harvard professor who got turned on to a certain type of mind-bending drug, and that book had a lot of influence on me. I think probably in a good way. I, I think. Had a lot of beautiful stuff in it. Um it's very artistic. Uh this this Harvard professor drop in, drop out, turn in, turn off, turn over, uh,
0: roll over. There's a great documentary about about him later in life. Uh, I don't remember what it's called, but uh but uh, but but just that whole culture of Tim Leary and Ken yes. Kesey,
1: immediately my mind goes to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Sometimes a Great Notion, Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test, which is the book. Have you read that book? No. Oh, dude. I know. The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test by Tom Wolfe is the book about the 60s. That is the the book about the 60s and how the hippie movement started and what the heck happened to it. Wow. Wow. It's it, that's the book. Do you know the year that was written? Like is yes, it like, I do. late sixties? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes. I'm not gonna share sure. it with you. No, I'm sorry, I'm joking. I don't I don't know uh, when that book came out, but I would think it was like it came out in the early seventies is my guess. He nailed it. He also wrote a great another great book Tom Wolf did called The Right Stuff. Which I now that movie, knew. that <laughs> movie was really good. But in just in terms of books, oh my gosh.
0: I read. I've read Tom Wolfe. Some great Tom Wolfe. Um, uh, the Bonfire of the Vanities yeah. and uh, A Man in Full. Great read. Great stuff. Oh my
1: gosh. Creative nonfiction. Yeah.
0: So good. Um, Tracy Kidder.
1: Great writer. Uh huh. Soul of a New Machine.
0: Uh. The Heart Is a Lonely Hunter.
1: That one I'm not. Oh, not I don't know
0: that one. Beautiful. Really? Yeah, beautiful story. The heart is a lonely hunter. Wow! Just about a a, a young, like a young woman, and uh, you know it's it's funny because some books you don't have to remember exactly the plot, just where it took you, where where you felt, what space it made you feel.
1: When you're reading a book that's really affecting you, does it does it get into your dreams? Like, do you dream bits of it?
0: Maybe. I totally do. Maybe. You know, I read, like, Heart is a Lonely Hunter. Like, you know how you remember where you read a book? Oh, yeah? That's one thing. It's like, I read that when I was teaching at a charter school in D.C., and I would take the Metro every day, and always kind of bracing myself, because it was hard, hard work. Yeah. And that book I'd read, I read the Heart is a Lonely Hunter on the Metro, on my way to be to teach every day wow. you know and somehow it like mm. you know and then other books like I've talked about when we had that the episode talking about running mm. and the, the the what is that the the, the loneliness of the long distance runner Great but like song. how many books I read by listening and I've read so many books right. by listening to them right you know mm. and that is gotten I've just Very, very, very powerful stuff. Listening to someone else read a book to me is also is such a powerful. Special thing. It's very special. It's a different type of read. Um, but uh, two 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 authors that affected me quite a bit
1: at a certain stage of my life were Paul Thoreau and mm, Peter Matheson. mm -hmm. Both travel types of guys. Both um, good writers. Uh, Peter Matheson uh, was, is, was a naturalist and kind of he kind of got to be a, a, a bit of a Zen master. Now, I don't mean that in a bad way. He was like, he kept it pure. What was his, what was his, what was one of his? The Snow Leopard.
0: Oh, Snow Leopard, right, right. I've not read. Yeah. There's
1: a lot of wisdom to that book. Mm. So this is a nonfiction account of his track, not far from where you and I and our kids went in the foothills of the Himalaya, except he was closer to the bigger mountains, um, in the bigger mountains. And he went trekking with this biologist named George Schaller, who's a very famous wildlife conservation naturalist guy. And they were... George was on a a mission to find and track and study the snow leopard, which is a very elusive cat, big cat. um, I think bigger than the bobcat. And really hard to find so the the, the snow leopard becomes a metaphor for this this book and there's so much wisdom in in that and i learned a lot about how in this book how to interface with drugs Hmm. uh, in my life Hmm. And just, just from one of the lessons. And hmm. basically, the idea was not to do it. Right. Just to step back. You know, you want to experiment a little bit. That's interesting. Be careful. But it, it was just a metaphor. He used a metaphor in the telling of his, in, in the snow leopard, where he was saying that, did I ever tell you this? Go, go
0: ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I think I know what you're going to say, but I love this. I thought about it's this a so lot. It was so powerful.
1: So powerful. It, it, again. All you know, I grew up in a culture where a lot of kids, a lot of my friends, close friends, were doing a lot of drugs, and this really kept me on the path that that I am on today, which is I don't need that stuff. I'm already really kind of zoned out mm. in a good way. Um, I don't want to be dependent on it. A little experimentation, sure, but uh, his thesis was that. You can come to a lake and at the bottom of... a kind of a deep lake. You can come to the lake and the bottom of the lake is where the wisdom is. True, deep, forever knowledge. Except it's at the bottom of the lake. How are you going to get to the bottom of the lake? So one this is p- path one is you could show up with, let's say, seven... I'm making this part up. It's something like you can show up with a bunch of boxes of dynamite. <laughs> and you could set them up in different places and like stand back and then you could light that and (laughs) you know it's a big explosion and then you could do the water goes flying and stuff and dissolves and and, uh, disappears into the atmosphere and then you could just walk down the slope of where the waters in this lake were and guess what there is the wisdom there it is there The only problem is, there's a lot of collateral damage from the dynamite, right? He said, "There's another approach, Path B, call it, and that is every morning, like you wake up really early, right? And you got in your hand, you get this like a little bucket, right? Like a kid's bucket that you'd see a kid playing with on this on the beach with their parents, and you, but you're holding this little bucket, and you bend down, and you scoop up some water in the little bucket, and you hold the little." Handle and then you walk away. Next morning, early in the morning, wake up early in the morning, come down with that bucket and you take another scoop. And each day you come to this lake and you just take a little bit of the water and eventually you'll get to that same wisdom with less
0: collateral damage. And the wisdom may be in the act of just going to the lake every day. I
1: don't know if he <laughs> said that, right. but right. that's why you should be writing. It's not, we, we're going to create a, a new book. I'll help you write it, or you help me write it. It's called Snow Leopard Two, right. by Eric, Maring, and I'll have a rock opera embedded in it. So that so that was Peter Matheson. In terms of, um, in terms of Paul Thoreau, a book that had a profound influence on me was called is called the 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 Mosquito Coast, which also made into a movie, but just talking about the book, there's this fictional character who takes his family into the jungle and he's rallying against all the ills of Western civilization and all the materialism. He's a super smart guy. And he takes his family down to Central America and like, ah, we're going to create our own society and we're going to do this. And it's like, I really res- it really resonated with me because I was like, oh yeah, there are all these problems and yes, we should like go into the jungle and do things more naturally. And this main character, Allie Fox, he starts getting a little out there. Maybe he's a little out there to start with and he keeps going out there and he loses it. and sort of the byline of the story is how far should a man go to follow his dreams Ali Fox went to the Mosquito Coast he went too far and it really upset me because I I really kind of related to this kooky guy Mm. going out to the jungle with his family like I want to be this guy and then he goes insane and things get really bad And I thought, wow, thank
0: you, Paul Thoreau. Right. It it was just, it was just, you know. I I don't, didn't read it. I remember seeing the movie. I remember it's Harrison Harrison Ford, Ford, right? And I remember him like, he he had, he had some ice wrapped in burlap and they're like running, trying to run it to this up the mountain to show some villagers ice or something. And then they get there and it's all, all the hubris, right. It's all melted. Right. Right. Wow.
1: It's it's a brilliant story, and, and Paul thoreau has got a lot of other books about travel.
0: Uh, I read Great, I read a couple of those, Great
1: Railway Bazaar, yes. and uh, a bunch of other books. Um, and, and those are titillating. They're he, they're kind of a little controversial. He can get a little sassy. Very insightful. Kind of you know, he's he's got his Paul Thoreau attitude
0: all you know everything. It's funny. It's fun having a book talk like this because it's like everything you say leads me thinking about. It. I'm I'm like hearing you, and I'm thinking about all these books. I'm thinking of Amitav Ghosh, the wonderful Indian writer. Um, I'm thinking of uh, you. Some of the stuff you were just saying was making me think of like in the past, say twenty years, the two most epic like like those books that try to like give you a big human perspective books one being guns germs and steel. Oh my god. Right. Thank you for mentioning it. Right? That. that was life-changing. Life-changing book. Life-changing book. And and his other one um which is oh what's the third th- chimpanzee. No, uh sorry, what's the other Jared one? Jared Diamond? Yes, yeah, so Jared Diamond's other the other one uh about basically human extinction. He talks about Easter Island and like what happened on Easter Island, you know, how those great statues that are on Easter Island had to Basically, eat all the wildlife to to get the power to roll those big stone statues all over the place, and so they they went they, extinct. They, they went extinct, extinct. right? Yeah, it's cra- what a that what a crazy book. The other one, though, I have to say that I read recently is *Sapiens*. Have you read *Sapiens* yet? Yeah, that's a must that's a good, for you. Yeah, um, I think it's Yuval Noah Harari. I think I don't okay. want to mispronounce okay. his name. Um, epic, epic, epic read. I love it. Speaking of Easter Island, I
1: just thought of a series of books that totally changed my life. The books by Thor Heyerdahl. He's this guy from uh, Scandinavia Mm. who got this idea about the movement of ancient peoples. Um, How did the Americas get populated? That sort of thing. And so he. Uh, yeah, I, he decided to try to prove um, how people could have moved from the continents. So he went on expeditions across oceans in papyrus reed rafts. That was the Ra 1, Ra 2, and then Kontiki. Wow. Going across the... He, he was going... Let's see if I can remember this. He went from South America, I think, was it Ecuador? I think it was off the coast of Ecuador and sailed in a, a balsa, it was a, 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 it was, it was a made of logs, locally sourced logs. And they just sat and we put up a little sail and they just sat on it and went across the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. it's It's like, how is Polynesia populated? And so, There's a lot of different theories about it. It turns out, scientifically, I think Thor was wrong. Mm -hmm. But what gumption? Right. What gumption? It reminded me of maybe that book um, by um, Robert Manry, uh, Tinkerbell, which we started off talking about. Here's a guy who said, I've got an idea. Right. Now I'm going to risk my life and go across an ocean, get a bunch of guys... And got one person from each country, you know, like different parts of the world. We got a Mexican guy. We got a U.S. guy. We got, you know, it's just, I. it was so, it so captured my imagination.
0: Ah, uh, ah. Uh, um, you were, that was taking me to, um, God, it's funny. It's like so many different directions. All these, it's so gorgeous. Um, uh, I love autobiographies, and I'm like so, like John Lennon's autobiography. Or no, I, I love biographies. I should say, I, John, a story of John Lennon's life, amazing to me. You know, the story of um, of Sachmo, of Louis Armstrong, incredible. Mm. You know, I love reading musicians' biographies. Mm. That always kind of blows my mind. You know, to read what these guys what these musicians' lives were. Um.
1: I read an interesting biography by William Shire, hmm. and it's called Gandhi. A oh, memoir. wow. Of course, William Shire hung out with Gandhi. Yes. I mean, he, they knew each other. Um, of course, this is the same William Shire who wrote The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. Ah. So he wrote about, the you know, the dark side and, the, you know, and the light side gandhi and hitler and i remember running into william shire once in western massachusetts wow. and i i was being interviewed by uh, somebody and i was bicycling across the united states and with a siberian husky puppy so the journalist um, asked me, you know, hey, I'm just curious, you have any books with you? And I said, yeah, I'm reading this great book by William Shire. It's called, and she said, William Shire, he's a good friend of mine. He lives down the road. We'd like to meet him. And I'm like, are oh, you, you're joshing me? <laughs> she says, no, 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 I'm quite serious. And so she, <laughs> she said, he'll be tickled to hear your story. And so I knocked on this door. Oh my God. And You know, I had the little husky puppy, and I just let, I I don't think I went to the door. I tied her up by a tree or something, gave her a bone and a bowl of water. And I knocked on this door, and and this guy comes out and says, Hello, how can I help you? And I guess the um, part I want to impart to him was I'm really important, and I'm going to take some of your time now completely embarrassing. Now. <laughs> so sorry I did this. But I just said, "Hi, Mr. Shire, I just want to say I'm bicycling across the country with the, and and you know, I'm reading your book and I and I and I wanted to say I'm curious about your view about, you know, the ultimate evil and the ultimate good or at least as I see it. But he it turns out he didn't have time to talk because he said to me, Thank you I'm a little busy now I'm packing Because I'm going to Russia To give a, I'm on a lecture <laughs> tour And I said You know what I said to him? He said Okay Thank you <laughs> and I walked away <laughs> But uh, Fascinating Got a story from it got, I got a little story out of it But mm-hmm. uh, Those biographies Were fascinating mm, I love reading about Other people's I love reading about Great people's lives What books about China um, and have you come across any um, Tibetan book of the dead? Of course, that's not China, is it?
0: I read uh, uh, that book about the cultural Revolution. What else have I read about China? Hmm. How, oh, uh, uh, have you read Lao Tzu? No. Oh, my
1: gosh. Obi Wan Kenobi, move over. Oh, really? This is the real thing. I mean, all respect to, to George Lucas and, and uh, you know, Sir Alec Guinness, but Lao Tzu was this Chinese philosopher, poet, and he would, I don't know, get a little bit drunk and write these beautiful, beautiful. I, I studied Chinese literature. Mm. Mm. Oh my gosh! Wow, this—it's like all the wisdom of the East. Wow! But no, without the culty stuff. Hmm. The culty stuff for me came later.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I did a lot. I've done a lot of war reading. I've always been very interested in war, okay. probably because of my family's connection to well, everyone has connection with World War II. Their family, I've, I've, almost every family. Sure. Their, you know. And, sure. And so, you know, my f- grandfather who fought in World War II was a flying flying ace in World War II. It got me interested in in, in, in just reading about World War II. And Liz's family's her grandparents fled or left Germany in '34 as Jews. Um, oh, kinda of got didn't out even there on the early side. Wow! Thank goodness. Thank goodness. And so, I'm always interested by you know in reading about that that era. So I've done a lot of World War II and World War One reading. I'm I'm fascinated by that stuff. You know, Rise of the Third Reich, obviously, and then uh, um, um, this, just you know, big histories of the war, more focused history of the war, um, history, history of, of the Holocaust. A lot of reading about that. Uh, uh, I find that stuff very yeah you, the the stories are endless and they they go there's no you can't reach an end of how deep they can get you know and uh i just read um the yellow bird sings a story of a, a holocaust story a holocaust era story and uh um you know i think reading sometimes is just an effort to try to understand the un the non comprehensible yeah you know sure and um sure and uh, I, read an account, I read an account not too long ago about a, of a guy, who, of a Jew, who basically was worked in the camps, worked oh at Auschwitz. Wow. And survived. Wow. But he, he worked, and, and, and he, he wrote an account of his, you know, just, just heart-wrenching. Oh my God. So trying to understand the stuff that you can't comprehend, but, but at least people's accounts. You know, and there's Lev Cell also. You right. know those kind of accounts right. of. of um... I, I just
1: wanted. I just wanted to mention this amazing book called West with the Night by Beryl Markham, mm. uh, about a woman. You, you, you're talking about your family members and, and flying ace. Uh, what'd you say? Your granddad? Grandfather. Yeah. Your, yeah. your grandfather, um, Beryl Markham, was a pilot living in Africa. Uh, white woman only white woman for like 100 miles and she'd fly and it's just about her adventures there living with the Maasai hmm real eye opener to like understanding another culture and just seeing things from a different you know different point of view It's, it's, it's
0: it's like jumping into cultural anthropology um you know, it's kind of what I'm feeling right now is also this kind of, um, wow, I can't e- there's so many books I can't even, I haven't even started to, there's something I haven't talked about or ones that I can't remember. Right. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to go look at my shelf and be like, oh, in that book, go oh, in that book, in that.
1: There, there's one book, it's on the edge of my mind. Maybe you can help me remember it. It's not Paul Thoreau, but it's by a friend of his. And he wrote a book, this guy's amazing traveler. Tra- great travel writer, and he, one of his books is called In Patagonia. Yes, right. And then there's another book he wrote, which is one of my favorite books of all time. And I wrote, and I can't remember the name of it. And I wrote to Paul Thoreau. Bruce Chatwin. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. In it was Bruce Chatwin and his
0: songlines. Songlines. Yes. yes. I have. The, I have that at my bedside. That's another one. I keep waiting to read. I love
1: that book, and I remember writing to Paul Thoreau saying, "Dear." Mr. Thoreau, Paul Thoreau responded, saying about the question to the question of whether that was fiction or nonfiction. He said, "Well, knowing Bruce, it was a little of each."
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting. There's those books where I guess put it needed to put books into categories and genres. It's like, is this true or is it not true? Mm. I think I think there's been a lot of books through history where it's I don't know. It's it's a mix. I mean, certainly Don Quixote is it true or is it not true? There's plenty but plenty of it's real, plenty of it's not. What do you categorize categorize it as? Um, and uh that's that's it's interesting that a modern sensibility demands to know is it true or is it not true? How do you categorize it? It has to be either fiction or non-fiction and where where's the what's the category for books that are all of those things?
1: Mm. Something I don't get, and that is how is it that people can say to you, I'm bored? <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> I mean we just mentioned a small number of interesting to us books, and there's literally millions more. How could you be bored? Absolutely. When there's not enough time to read one tiny tiny
0: sliver. I had a problem with going to the library. I had to stop because I would just check out all these books and not be able to get to any, you know like get to one of them and then get all these library fights because I, I get so excited by the, by the books, you know and um, I read all the Harry Potter books. I have
1: not done that several times. I've read each one several times. I have not read
0: I unfortunately have not.
1: My kids have. (laughs) And then somebody told me that that was fiction.
0: Oh, really? Have you read James Baldwin? I read him recently. Uh, Amazing. 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 I may have. Yeah, James Baldwin, Another Country. Um, One of those authors you start reading and you're like, wow, they're so... The, the the writing is so right on the ground, you know, like you don't. It's just so it so captures feeling, and mm. you feel like you're there, mm. you know, um, somehow, really on the ground. I can't know how to describe it, but it really struck me. Um, I'm 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 I don't know hundred pages into Anna Karenina right now. And reading books, that he, but I then I put it on pause to read this other huge one we're reading for the next podcast, uh, the Forty Days of Musa Dog. But you know, I was struck by reading Anna Karenina that, like, when you read something from another time, before films, like you, you they, the authors describe things almost like you're watching a movie. Like they're very, um, just like you can really see. Things in the book hmm. in a, a different way, and the authors were just kind of like painters of a different era before photography, painted in a certain way. You know, could try to capture something. And <laughs> final great book. Go ahead. Final great book. Final great book. On the count of three: one, two, oh, one man, and hard. a half. The, the greatest book ever. The.
1: the I'm, I'm doing yes. this so I can think while yes, I'm the talking. greatest book ever. The greatest book ever is it has a cover on it it's got pages it's um Man. oh i know what it is
0: it's okay. the odyssey uh, by homer oh great one yeah i'll give you the milagro beanfield war oh, i yeah. never read that oh, i knew it was made into book. a movie such a great book oh my god is it Yeah. Oh, wow beautiful incredible book uh, um which makes me think of the um poison wood bible Never? never read it. No! Never oh gosh. Read it. Oh, epic. Never epic. read it. The reali- The Reality Illusion? Did you ever read that? Oh my gosh. So many oh my gosh. Oh, oh
1: my god, I can't believe that we never discussed this one yet. Thank you for Meows. for asking. For um Your time is running out. The, the ticker is gone. in the cat three. One, two, I'll give you a hint. Yes. Um I'm trying to think of how to give you a hint um, because it's not so much an auditory book, at least for me it, it wasn't.
0: Um, the Road Less Traveled, another great one. Ooh, that was a wonderful read. Was that by Pecker? <laughs> Again, we are in the G ring G string, yeah.
1: Sorry. Um, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're losing customers as we speak. Um, how am I going to pay bill? I mean my bills. Uh, so okay. wait a minute, it's called it's called Winnie the Pooh. oh, yeah, the greatest story ever told. yes, yeah, about Pooh bear, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's wonderful. it's all it's 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 all about being. That's what Pooh is. He's like he he is just is. And everyone else is like, you know, Eeyore's got these emotional (coughs) issues. And (laughs) Rabbit is a bit pushy and stuff. And Piglet has fear of everything. I think Christopher Robin is the narrator. But I I, I don't know about Owl, maybe sort of the the erudite academic uh, cathedral of learning. And, And Pooh just is. Pooh just takes... Oh my gosh, there's such a beautiful lesson there. Pooh poo just lets things come and like I'm here in the day and there's bees and there's a beautiful cloud. And it's just each thing that comes by, that becomes the lesson and the experience. There's nothing to do just to be. It's the ultimate Lao Tzu. It's the ultimate Zen. It's the ultimate acceptance of who one is and loving that. You can't get a better book than Winnie the Pooh. A captcha. Yeah. And it's a way to know that you're not a bot. You're not some Russian... Correct. ...bot. Right. And it's so that, you know, identify the buses in each of these frames. Right. And you've got to <laughs> pick which one's... Right. The, ...the bus. Mr. Peach is in... He, he's laughing each time you do a captcha, yeah, and you're forced to do that. Like, okay, which one is the mountains in? And like, maybe there's like a the little mountain way in the distance. <laughs> like, I don't want to be like acting like I don't, you know, like I'm drunk. So, you know, there's some stress when you do a, a yeah. captcha
0: uh-huh.
1: for some of them because the questions they ask, like, where do you see the Tabasco sauce <laughs> with. A, a snippet of someone's armpit hair. Or something like, okay, I'm, I'm looking at that. could be an armpit hair right there, but maybe not. And so it's it's really stressful. Mr. Peach is laughing all the way to the supermarket. Really? Yes.
0: In 140 characters or
1: less. It, or less. <laughs> or less. It's, it's incredible. So he invented the captcha. Because it's not called capture. Uh-huh you see brilliant so he invented that he invented it and he's in each frame Mm. and so each time you are in a captcha it gets more and more sophisticated because life is like that like you have to choose which one you're in right now and that gets that leads to your next thought and if you click on the wrong thing right then you end up like marrying the wrong person and you know like (laughs) going massively in debt i mean it's it's not just as an internet security app got it wow so that's do you you understand that kind of i mean could you explain it to me so i'm not sure i get it Well, I mean, okay, that's
0: interesting. Like, if you think about James and the Giant Peach, I think about that all the time, right? Yeah, then maybe there was actually way more significance in the rolling down the hill part. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Then we thought about that. It all comes back to like Google's trying to figure out way more what kind of who you are and what you like and and you know to sell you what if you <laughs> don't like anything this is a, this is the hardest part of being in
1: the internet generation oh no what because like if you think of facebook and you oh, think no. of instagram and oh, you no. think of google and you think oh, of twitter no. Oh, no, you have no, to sh- like sh- all these things what if you don't like things <laughs> you're like left out it's like way more you like you're saying way more way
0: more way more way, mo. way, way more. <laughs> Lmao, lame, lame, lmao, which is totally O. limo.
1: You put the lame and the coconut and lame. It. It's just what if you don't like like?
0: Click on page I, three. Page three, right? Right. What if you don't like, um, you know, anything about? You know, the, the the previous tweet and 100,000 other people did, and then all of a sudden you've got, you know, people lining up to read your tome, and it's only 140 pages, 140 you, uh, uh, characters, or right, 140 right. peaches, or
1: 140. <laughs> and what if you, what you just said in yes. the last, I don't know, let's say minute or two, I forgot, was actually the space between one of Trump's next tweets. And let's say he actually was allowed to tweet. Wow. And we're just... This was like the pregnant pause before the next taking over the democratic reigns of a nation that's been around the oldest democracy for, you know, since whenever. And everything you just said was actually uh, right before his next uh,
0: harangue. Right. Well, he's actually... He's got a lot of reading to do. He's got some catching up to do on the reading cap- front. He needs to Catch- capture, <laughs> he, Which takes us... His... Right? What's your favorite book, Mr. Trump? All of
1: them. <laughs> oh, I like all the books. <laughs> Mr. Trump. All right, let's, let's do this. Mr. Trump. Okay, let me, let me try to act like Dan Rather. Oh, or Tom Brokaw. In my, my eyebrows furrowed. Ms., Mr. Trump. What is, is your capital? <laughs>
0: <color>? <laughs> Blue. No, no red. Ah!
1: <laughs> what is the capital of Hexagamenia? <laughs> what is the penguin, Mister Trump? What is, is the the What is the, what is the precept upon which the nation that you have served founded? Greed? <laughs> Me? Did Trump exist before he was born? I'm talking about Donald, not Fred. Is the universe infinite? <sighs> Does Macadamia have nuts? <laughs> Hmm, Macadamia. Yes, the Cathedral of Burning. Macadamia.
0: Academia. I see.
1: Yes, it's done on a
0: Mac. Mac. <laughs> Look, academia, Macademia. I see. If yes. You always have this way of weaving ruining it back things. to the beginning, yes. ruining, yes, weaving it back to the beginning. We always get my brain Wheelie. confused. No. You're, you'd be yeah. gaslighting right now, right? Because the macadamia and actually I was a be. reference I am. <laughs> to Mark <laughs> gaslighting Elliot Laxer. <laughs> Your so that's your second name? Macadamia actually means academia, which is a way of with f- trying to make me feel like I didn't understand all that I learned in college. Or when I made that collage in college. We don't want to go there. Okay. I think we need to cancel <laughs> everything we've ever
1: said. And then we need to I'm cry the- about it. Okay. <laughs> What does it mean to cancel canceling? Cancel canceling? Like all this (laughs) canceling. Can we just cancel that? Yes. What does it mean to cancel something? So in other words, let's say you don't like something. Could you say, I don't like it. Why does that become canceling? Because that, um, I don't know. Why can't you just say, I don't like it? And what's the difference between
0: canceling and I don't like it? Um... Well, it can you? St- it has to go in 140 characters or less. Okay. But in 140 characters, or like I'd say, the difference is the difference between um, a peach pie and a um, manure pie that's sitting out on the field. You know, one uh, you can slice and dice. I love those. <laughs> You what? I love those. You love pies? No, manure pies. Manure pies. Actually, they make great fires. That's what's kind of the thing about, you know, if you were to... I feel like it's my duty. (laughs) I was once in a camel trek on the desert. (laughs)
1: That's really funny. Could you say that again?
0: And the fire, the bonfire (laughs) we made was all out of camel dung. Was it? Yeah. That wasn't the bonfires of vanities, was it? It was brilliant. It was like... That's how you, puppy. Does puppy need to go out? Is that what that no, is? No,
1: I don't know. Puppy just wants attention. Puppy wants a. She, I th- I hope she's okay.
0: We made um yeah the bonfire was camel was camel dung and it was brilliant and the food we cooked with camel dung <laughs> and it kind of took me back to uh you know like those great books that you read when you. Finish them like "Let's Go Europe" 1992. I put on a bonfire after I did. You traveled around Europe. With I, see, it. I didn't read picture. that one. Yeah. I read "Let's Go Urine." <laughs> <laughs> so
1: I never got to Europe. So that's actually now I realize there's a lot I've been missing. So like if you think about like France and England, I know. England's not supposed to be Europe, but whatever. Um, <laughs> like, take a left turn on Brexit or something. And then, like, Germany and, and Spain and, and all these cool, you know, Italy and, and, and Belgium and wherever, Rotterdam and, and stuff. I never went because I thought it said, let's go to Urine. <laughs> which I thought were mountains in, like, Western Soviet Republic or oh, something. The no. Ur- Urine... It turns out it was urinals. No. But I, I, urinals and stuff. But (laughs) no shit. It's like I went there to the urinals and I was trekking there. Oh, wow. And I never got to see Europe. So there's so much of my education that just doesn't. Sweet puppy. Imagine like one day waking up and you're like a rabbit. That has happened actually.
0: Really? Yeah, yeah. And I, I just, do just, tell. Well, uh, uh. If, if it was that easy to explain, I would have. I'd, I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> Everyone, would are want you? What you see is it in bunny in bunny um bunny tokens. I am, but you know, um, it was great. It was very. It was very you know hoppy kind of. And I'm not saying IPA. I'm not talking IPAs. Not no. no. Very hoppy kind of existence. And, uh, and you know, it lasted a short while until I, my other life beckoned. And
1: Speaking of which, I just realized something. Yes. I just had a realization. Yes, that's good.
0: Congratulations, you get a trophy. <laughs> it's a big golden trophy. I've always wanted a big golden trophy. Well, your day has been made. Keep reading books, ten more books, and you'll get. Um, I'll give you a, a, a spinach a, a, in the park. Spinach in the park, which is an award. Yes. No broccoli, though. I know he yeah. you feel about broccoli. So, um, ten, I think ten more books, and you get a special prize. Feelings mutual. Yeah, yeah. Broccoli doesn't like me. Ten either. more books, and you'll get a uh, smoothie... I'll let you. I'll let you go to the smoothie store. You can choose your smoothie, any smoothie.
1: Schmooze your schmooze. Shm- schmooze you lose. Schmooze your doozy. <laughs> Have you ever schmoozed your doozy? Well, let me tell you, the first few seconds is really anyway. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like
0: nothing you've ever you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is this is a G-rated <laughs> podcast. Or maybe it's not G-rated, but you know, G-rated. 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 easy there. It's like the guitar; it's got that G string thing. <laughs> well, easy, easy, easy. Okay. You schmooze, um, you...
1: Schmooze, you lose. You booze. You booze. So here's the thing. The all of... This is the the thing you, you get by listening to Mr. Peach. All the ancient wisdom, or the wisdom of the ancients, or any yes. way you want to parse that, right. of mysticism yes. can be explained with this one sentence. Go.
0: Uh oh, did the wise men just leave?
1: (laughs) All of mysticism seems to be trying to leave who you are. All the people who are trying to be mystics, it turns out. Eric? Yes. They're not very happy people. Oh no. Because they're all trying to be like crows or like turn into other forms of consciousness. Because they're all crappy (laughs) lives. like me <laughs> like a oh, Jay. no seriously listen that things could be better listen it's rough